talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview. Well, welcome to this week's edition of the Artist Interview here on Hope FM. And I'm very pleased to say that this week we have got a really great guy with us. His name's Andrew Rip. You, of course, if you listen to Joe regularly, will already know his music with the track Jericho, which we've played a lot over the last year here on Hope FM. Hey, Andrew, how are you doing? Doing great, Gordon. Thanks for having me, my friend. It's an absolute pleasure. Now, Jericho has been a very successful track for you, um, which is why we've played it so much. It's a cracking track. I mm. uh, love the way it talks about fear, the walls of fear, and uh, people being set free from stuff, really. Uh, and it'd be great, really, actually, if you could take a moment to share a bit of your story, your journey in life, your journey in music, and also uh, the role that Jesus has played in that for you. Yeah. Thanks for asking that, by the way. I, I think that's the question that, um, as somebody who makes songs um, with the hope and the heart of the Lord using them, sometimes we forget to talk about the actual relationship, how this faith came about. And I think for me, hearing the story of other artists, um, it's almost more interesting to hear how they came to faith than it is to, how, to hear how they got a song. You know, because that's that's really where the songs are coming from yeah. is a relationship. So um, my life, I, I started off um, just a kid in the suburbs of a big city called Chicago. Um, and we we would go to church on, on Sunday mornings. But my family kind of uh, the, the relationship side of the faith wasn't 100 percent there. So it just felt kind of like this box that we would tick, we'd go to church and then we'd come home and kind of just go on with life. And I remember um, after high school, having some really difficult circumstances hit me. And I remember thinking of a couple that my family um, used to hang out with all the time, that there was a difference in the way that they lived and a difference in the way that they interacted with God than, that I had never seen before. And I just remember in this moment, I was like, I called, I, I was just, I was at a crossroads and it was like that moment where it was like, I could go this way or I could go this way. And I remember they came to mind and I called them and I was like, you guys have this strange like peace about you. Like, it doesn't seem like you have many regrets in your life. It doesn't seem like you have um, any baggage that is weighing you down. You're free to love people. You, when I come to your house, like it feels different. What, what's going on? Like, I want that in my life. And I'll never forget it because um, the, the answer to uh, the question I thought was going to be, um, you know, like, this is how you do it. But it, what came to me was they challenged me to get basically take a minute for myself, get to a quiet place get down on my knees and to cry out to God. Like you don't have to have, they basically said, you don't have to have the words um, to say or know how to pray. It's more of a heart condition of being open to the possibility of God being real and meeting you there. And I was like, wow. So you're telling me that I don't have to actually pray in order to pray. Yeah, that's true. So I got down on my knees that day in a very just dark place. And I just remember opening my heart up to the possibility of God actually being real. And I can't explain to you how clear it was that um, the Holy Spirit, this thing I'd heard about growing up in church, but the Holy Spirit came upon me in the sense of um, knowing I wasn't alone. I was feeling very alone. And then I hit my knees, I opened up my heart. And suddenly the thing that hits me is I know that God is here with me. 
there was a knowing in my heart that happened. Wow, it yeah. was the eyes of my heart were opened. Um, so when that happened, there was a long, slow journey of letting go of, um, you know, my ideals and the way that I was doing life and cutting certain things out of life, starting to hang out with different people. They got me to a place where I feel like, you know, I'm tuned into to God in a way where I'm actually being used by him rather than just trying to get back to, um, I don't know, a clean lifestyle or back to a clean slate where I think when I met the Lord, I was in such a bad place that I had a lot of cleaning up to do to get to a place where I had something to offer. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. You, you said you said it was after high school. Now, we don't call schools high school here. Well, what age was that then? So I was like, I was just a little after high school. So 22. Okay. Um, 22, 23 years old. And, you know, like... I, I, I was still trying to figure out who I was as a person outside of just who I was in God. But when I met the Lord, I found that who I am in God is who I am as a person. That makes a lot of sense. You're finding who you've really been made to be. That's right. What, what, what were the two, you said you were at a crossroads. What was the other turn on the crossroads? If you hadn't chosen Jesus, what was the other route you were taking? I was, I was an addict. I was doing a lot of, I was partying and running I was using alcohol as a Band-Aid. It was the thing that was getting me through um, just lonesomeness and despair. Like I hadn't figured out that I was worthy without achieving success. I hadn't figured out that I actually had something to offer when I walked into a room rather than earning my space in a room yeah. by being the funny guy or being, you know what I mean? There's, there was a performance mentality, especially as an artist. That's a big thing for us artists because we are the product. So if the product doesn't sell, are you worthy? Well, I'm Andrew Rip is sure he's an artist name, but I've found a way to separate that artist name from who I actually am. And I think that's really the shift um, that we're all looking for as human beings. You know, if you're a, if you, whatever job you have, you're not your job. You're not the result of the product that you make. Absolutely. Totally agree, Andrew. It's so easy for us to become defined by what we do and how we think other people uh, perceive us uh, rather than us looking first to God and uh, just listening to the words that he speaks over us, that we're precious children, that he's made us, that he delights in us. That sort of stuff is absolutely absolute foundation. If you can get that in your heart, it makes such a difference. And that sounds like that was what happened with you. You, yes. you changed from looking for all the stuff that just tried to dull the meaninglessness of it all and, and found Jesus. Uh, this beautiful story. Yes. Um, what you, said, you said you had to sort of like spend time getting to a place where you were able to feel that God would use you. But it's not like you can earn your goodness in Jesus. Can you just explain a little bit about the moment that you felt God's love, um, the moment that you went, actually, that... I am lovable to God. I'm acceptable. How, how did that right. change in your whole being, your whole thinking on the whole thing? Well, you can't earn his love because it's, our, it's a gift and it's free and it is. It just is. You are loved. But you can earn trust. And I think that's the thing that I was talking about when I said it was a journey to get back to a place where I felt like I could be used is because there's a trust that needs to be built. There's a rapport that needs to be, uh, it's, it's time. That takes time. Trust takes time and consistency. Um, and I think for me, you know, 
consistency looked like showing up with, um, with my baggage because I had a lot of it, you know, I had a lot of wounds and had a lot of, um, things that I false truths in my head about what God actually was and what he cared about. And also this performance mentality was really big for me. Like I did, it's one thing to, to know that you can't earn love. It's another thing to receive that gift. So, um, I, I receiving the gift took 10 years. I remember, um, a conversation with a, with a, a, a gentleman, um, it wasn't about love. It was about fear, which can lead us into this Jericho conversation. Cause my song Jericho was all about the, the wall, the, the walls of Jericho coming down as an analogy of fear. But I was having, I had gone out on the road to play a bunch of shows, um, at this specific time in my life. And I was really worn out and run down and I was desperately trying to be seen and known and, um, worthy of, this gift that I had that God gave me, you know, it's like, I got this gift to be able to sing and write songs. Well, I should then be a big deal. And I'm putting out these songs and these records and it's not working. So like, I'm trying every time it didn't work, I would try harder and I would like fight more and longer. And then I wouldn't sleep because I'm exhausted. Um, but my brain won't stop moving because I'm trying to figure it out, you know? And I, I had this, these three panic attacks, which I don't know, if you've ever had one, but it's a very scary situation where your body reacts to the fear that you're trying to beat. Yeah, I've once had one. I, I've got to say, it was it, it was actually interesting enough. It was in America. The only time I had one was when I was in the States. Uh, so on a, moral of the story, don't come to America. Yeah, it, was on a pre, <laughs> it was on a press tour and uh, and I ended up with, uh, I think it was it's probably two of those great big um, American fire engines coming out to oh, help me. I'm like, I don't need a fire engine. I'm just having a serious wow. breathing issue, but it was extraordinary. So, um, uh, and my, my travel insurance had to sort it all out. I can tell you that. So anyway, but yeah, it's, it's not good. Panic attacks are terrifying. Terrifying. And, um, it makes you, well, for me, I remember a thought entered my mind, which, which made the panic even worse was like, I, I wasn't having suicidal thoughts, but I was, I was able to relate to people that would consider, taking their life. That's how bad it was. I was like, if this continued, I don't know how else I would deal with it or how I could deal with it for very long. So I remember I came home and um, there's a band called We The Kingdom. There's a guy named Ed Cash in this band who has been making records. Yeah, we know, we know Ed. He's a great guy. He's been on the station he's, a couple of times. He's the real deal. And he, um, he, he and his brother, Scott, are in the band and I called them in this moment, they've been friends of mine for a long time. I made a record with Ed in the past. And I said, you know, I'd haven't be, been having these panic attacks. And they told me that their, their pastor at the time was doing like a series about on fear. So he was really tuned in to the nuances and what to do with it. You should meet with our pastor, they said. So I sat down with their pastor at his house for 20 minutes and it was the kind of personality that you like walk in, sit down and he goes, what's up? Like right to the point. It wasn't like, hang out, get to know each other. It was like, tell me what's going on. And so I spilled the beans about all of these fears and panic um, that I had in this desire to kind of earn my um, worth. Um, but I, I remember telling him I had this vision 
um, at the beginning of this tour that's put me in panic attacks, I had this vision of like the David and Goliath moment where I was stepping onto a battlefield and the monster on the other side, the Goliath was fear. And one of us was not leaving the battlefield. One of us was going to be, was, was out there. That was it. Yeah. Uh, was going to die on that battlefield. And I was the one that was dying because I was fighting so hard. And I remember telling him, I'm just, I told him this whole story. I said, I'm just ready to be free. And he looked at me and he said, nope. And I'm like, what do you mean? Nope. I just spilled my whole heart on the table. I was offended. It was like, I just gave you my whole, he goes, nope, you already are. Yeah. And it clicked for me. It was like this simple thought that I knew in my head, but in this moment, the truth from my knowing it went into my heart and I began to receive this gift of freedom that had already like that fight wasn't mine. I was fighting a battle that a had already been won. And two, I had no business on the battlefield. So I was like just blown away by the freedom that was accessible to me just through receiving it. You know, a gift is not something you have to fight for. A gift is free. Freedom was a gift that Jesus paid yeah, for. Absolutely. Accessing, accessing that gift doesn't take hard work. It's the opposite. Total surrender. So it changed my life. And from that day forward, I feel like I had, it was like a man on a mission, you know, it was like, oh, so the more I can surrender and give up, the further I'll get in the kingdom, the more he can use me. It's like, wow, that's a pretty profound, that's so, that's just like God, right? I mean, of course, you set it up like that. Yeah, that is so good. So good. So that's my story around fear. You know, I think the theme of fear since that moment in my life has been something that the Lord has entrusted me with because I stepped into the space, I experienced panic, and then I also learned how to receive the gift over it. So I think when, um, for a writer like me, maybe the Lord will pass me lyrics and ideas and songs around ideas and um, things that I actually do understand because I've lived them out. So the fear battle, the fear theme has been big for me because I know what it feels like to be in the, in the, the trenches with it. I know what it feels like to be in panic with it and allowing it into my daily life. So with Jericho, I remember I, I, I hadn't even, I wasn't trying to write a song about fear at all. I sat down at the piano one morning um, and sometimes what I'll do to get out of my own way is instead of thinking up an idea, I'll just sit down and play chords that feel good and I'll just start singing nothingness into the air. So I'd be, probably sound like a complete idiot, but nobody's around usually when I'm doing this. And uh, I remember screaming out the word Jericho without thinking. And I was like, wow, there's something on that word. There's something on that right now. So I stopped and I researched the story of Joshua marching around these walls, um, the faith that that must have taken not to invade the traditional way and to actually like cruise around the walls of a city playing music, which is just so weird and awesome. Trusting that the walls would come down, like he said, um, it just really spoke to me. So as the, as a songwriter, you know, it's our job to find ways to make that palatable for 
um, people to be able to receive. And my way of doing that was through an analogy, you know, those walls sometimes can be our fears and it's not about breaking them down. It's about getting a word from God and doing what he says. And then look what happened. Well, a very successful song, but I'm going to bet off the back of it, there's also been a huge response from people who just like when you had that word from that pastor uh, that was no, because you already are mm-hmm. free, that, that probably Jericho has also for people been one of those things that was an important vehicle uh, mm-hmm. for God to speak through. Have you had um, sort of numbers of feedback from, from people just saying it's a song that's changed their lives? Yeah, that's been really fun to hear, you know. I spent a lot of time in the pop world before I entered into making songs that came from my faith. And um, in the pop world, the, the conversations were based around hooky melodies and finding ways to almost offend people into listening to your songs. Like you say the next kind of thing that's going to, the hook is more about just grabbing people's attention rather than offering truth that can change their life. And since Jericho has done what it's done, reading comments on my video, it's like every 15 minutes, somebody's posting about how it's changed their lives. It's absolutely insane. It's been so cool for me as a reminder, like of how powerful it is to have a gift of making music and then doing it for him. Look what can happen. Like, you know, people are literally talking about how this song might have saved their life, you know? Um, so to be a part of that, man, that's, that's, that's what I'm interested in even more so than a hit song. Um, but what, what the hit song element has done is gotten it to a lot of people, which, you know, is always, always nice to be a part of that, knowing that God not only used you, um, to entrusted you with the words and the melodies, but he's entrusted you to be the one to deliver those words and melodies to a lot of different people. That's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, for the listeners who maybe have tuned in recently and haven't heard it, let's hear a little bit of Jericho right now. Ooh, I've been stacking up the years I spent trading punches with the enemy. Ooh, built myself a double thick stone tower lies higher than the eye can see. Trapped in my flesh and bone. Crying out to you, love, I'm desperate Love, come rattle this cage and set me free All of my fears like Jericho walls gotta come down, come down All of my fears like Jericho walls gotta come down, come down my How you doing, you okay? I love it I'm in. I'm loving it too. So thank you for all your sharing. Oh man, I, I enjoy. I really enjoy opportunity to talk about what he's done because I really wouldn't be here talking to you right now if it wasn't for the grace of God. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that is that's true for all of us. But I think with what you're talking about from where you've come from, it's doubly true for someone who's mm. been in the places you've been uh, that God rescued mm. you from it. Yes. In fact, I'm all right in saying that you were involved in writing Rescue Story as well. That Williams song, is that, 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 was a, that was a very successful song in its own right. I'm, I am right, is that, that, was, that was you, wasn't it? Yes, I got the opportunity to, um, to write on that song. It, after coming out of, I guess I'll tell you this part of the story because it makes the Rescue Story part make sense. But the, um, I had, after having those panic attacks I had talked about in my previous story, 
I had a season of life where I left music completely. Um, the panic attacks were basically um, the end of a season for me of being with a label of management company and a, a, a publisher that it wasn't, it wasn't the right thing for me to continue on. So those panic attacks also were the end of me having this team. And I remember stepping away from music, putting my guitar in the closet um, for, on, honestly, for me, it was, it could have been forever, but there was just this season of life where I was like, okay, I'm going to step into some identity work of like who I am without my guitar, because I've always had my guitar and I've always identified with being the performer guy. Um, so I stepped into this season, not knowing if I'd ever pick up the guitar again and got into this space with God where I had a lot more time for him. It wasn't about me like going to God to get songs. It was more about me going to God because I wanted to be more like him. And what happened in that time, um, I started listening to worship music for the first time ever. And this may sound strange, but as a writer, I used to always listen to songs to get inspired. It wasn't listening to songs to enjoy them. I would turn on a song and immediately be like, oh, I love that groove. And I'd hit pause and I'd start a song with that groove. Or, you know what I'm saying? I would use the song, I would milk it for everything it had and then I'd go use it and do something with it. But since I wasn't planning on making music anymore, I would listen from a place of just gratefulness that I have music to listen to. Wow, this stuff is actually really powerful. And I began to listen in a way that I never had. And worship songs began to lift me up out of a circumstance that my, my wife and I were in at the time. We were trying to start a family and it was just a real struggle. And we were, we were really, it was a dark time for us. And these worship songs I would listen to would just lift me out of it. It was a very powerful experience. So I remember in that in that time, it was about two years um, where, I, where I wasn't making songs, I was listening. Um, I remember thinking if I ever made songs again, um, I would, wouldn't do it from a place of entertainment anymore. It, this, was, this was a gift that I wanted to give to others. It wasn't a gift. God gave me a gift to be able to make music. Yes, for me, but I think God gives us our gifts to give. And I had never learned how to give this gift. So as I, as I started to kind of get this new mentality of, wow, like these songs are weapons. Like these worship songs, it's like a sword that you can grab and swing around when you need it. You know, it's like, what if I made weapons for people? And um, Rescue Story, this idea of like, you know, my whole story of my life came out very similarly to, um, to Jericho sitting at the piano one day, screaming out words, you are the voice in the desert. Those melodies started happening. You are my rescue story. And I was like, wow, there's something on that. But I wasn't in a place yet where I knew I was going to be making a record. So a really good friend of mine named Ethan Hulse, he writes a lot of songs with a lot of people. And I sent him that idea and he immediately was like, bro, that's Zach Williams next song. Wow. And I was like, wow, I love it. And I, I mean, it wasn't totally flushed out yet. It was just like a very bare bones idea, but the heart of it rescue story. I knew somebody that was going to sing that song needed to understand 
a journey. Like it wasn't just somebody, if you're going to sing that song, you got to have a rescue story. You know, you got to have some difficult times that help. I, I think for me, when I hear somebody sing a song like that, that has been through it, I can tell. Yeah. I can hear it in their voice. And you can hear it in Zach's voice when he sings, you are my rescue story. He knows, he knows from experience what it was like before Jesus in his life. And you mentioned there about uh, being in a dark place and and trying for a child. What's the story? How did that unravel? Yeah, you know, we, my wife and I had been trying to have a baby for, I mean, years. And being in the position we were in, you know, early 30s, um, everybody in their early 30s, you know, around us was trying to have a baby and having success. So it was really tough um, celebrating a victory and a breakthrough that we were desperate for. And every other week, it seemed somebody else was getting the thing we were praying for. Um, and it was a, it was a long road, but I know that I, I can see that God really used it to pull me into an intimate space with him. You know, like maybe you can answer me this question, Gordon, is it possible to burn with passion for God when you're standing on the mountaintop, just like you do when you're in, in the pain, you know, how pain will push us into this place where we're just like, God, I need you. Oh my gosh. That's when we're praying and singing with passion at church, but then you got everything you need and you're sitting in the pew at church. Are you singing with the same? Gusto? Do you know what? That's a really interesting point because there is a point where we can get too comfortable. And I, 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 yeah. so um, I think I would probably say I will pray more, in the darker times than I will in the easier times. Um, so uh, I haven't really thought about it deeply, but, but the answer is when, when right. things get tough, praying is what we will all uh, hope turn to because it's where, it's where you need, when you need the answers. Right. Uh, right. So yeah, in desperation, you, you trust in Jesus more. Yeah. So in that time I was desperate and there was a, there, it, it felt like if, if relationship with God is like this mansion, I was accessing rooms at that time that I never knew were in the house. I was in the, I was in the crawl space of my heart and, and like I found God there. Wow. And, and I was in, in the basement and it was like the scary rooms in the house that nobody wants to go into at night. But like I'd go in there and I'd find that God was in all the rooms. It wasn't just in the ones that we hang out in all the time. Like he's everywhere. And in the painful stuff, um, I think the painful stuff, that season of trying to have a baby, I don't know if I would have explored the whole house if it wasn't for that time. So I'm very, looking back, I'm really grateful for it. The end of that story, um, my wife and I had met with an adoption agency in the middle of it all. And we'd always had adoption on our hearts, but praying through the whole thing. We just didn't know which way God wanted us to go. So we just kind of like, we're slowly just kind of like going through this season. And 
one day my wife, I was off writing a song and my wife gets a call from an agency. We hadn't signed up with an agency yet. We had just met with one once. They gave us a stack of paperwork to kind of fill out and send back. And we were so exhausted that we just put the paperwork in the kitchen and like the corner and just left it there. And it was like months. And then we get a call. Hey, um, there's a couple an hour north of Nashville, high school couple that is pregnant. They're, um, they found out pretty late they're pregnant and we're, we're basically sending them profiles. And I thought of you like, so my wife said, okay, let me put something together. So by the time I got home that night, she had already put together an entire profile and sent it in without even asking me, which was awesome because I didn't have to have the, <laughs> that freak out moment. Like, wait, what did you do? I was just like, okay, awesome. This is great. So she sent in a profile a week goes by. We get a phone call back. I, we didn't think we were chosen because a week had gone by. And we're like, you know how long it takes with, you hear the stories. It's like sometimes people will wait eight years to get chosen um, to, for, for an adoption situation. And we, we get a phone call back a week later. Um, they, they had chosen us. They didn't want to meet with anybody else. We had, this was four days, five days before Thanksgiving, 2018. So we had five more days until it's like family, um, family was going to be meeting in a different city and we had plane tickets and all that. So we had one day to meet the couple and do a home study, which home studies usually take six months. So we went up, met these kids who just one of the most beautiful Holy Spirit moments of my life where these beautiful human beings sat in front of us terrified and just looked us in the eye and we got to pray over them, hear their story. They heard ours. And by the time we left, um, we were really feeling great about the whole thing. And she wasn't due for a few more weeks. So we flew out to New York to meet with some family. And while we were eating Thanksgiving dinner, our little baby girl was born. We jumped on a red eye that night, came back, but it just, it was one of those things. I was like, isn't it just like God after a five year waiting period to deliver this beautiful miracle child while we're eating Thanksgiving dinner? Isn't that just not? Yeah, that is so cool. That is beautiful, beautiful story. So how, how old is she now? What's her name? She's two, almost three. Her name's Francis and she, I mean, she's just awesome. I don't even know what, I can't explain how much we love her. Any parent out there knows what I mean. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. So we need to to get the next track going. And the next track we've got for you is is called Helpless Without You. Tell us about it. Where did it come from? What's it about? Um, The song Helpless Without You came out uh, maybe a month and a half ago when I was sitting with my wife, we were watching a movie, a lot of song ideas sometimes will hit me when I'm watching a movie because you're just kind of visually stimulated and just the emotions, like a song is basically an audio movie, right? Like, so when I'm watching a film, it gives me a lot of ideas. And I remember hitting pause. I don't even remember what movie it was, but the emotion of just how helpless we are without a savior Um, how helpless we are under fear without the gift that he paid for, you know? So I sat at the piano again, just kind of hammered this thing out really quick. I do it all the time where I'll just be like, Hey babe, give me five minutes. I think I have an idea. Pause. She's learned to like deal with it. (laughs) 
<laughs> you can imagine how annoying that must be. <laughs> Especially in the middle of a film. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta go with it when you got it. Yeah, I get it. That's right. You have to, you have to jump in. So I threw a little idea in my phone and um, a friend of mine, one of my best friends called me the next day and he was sharing what the Lord was doing in his life. And he literally said, without me saying anything, I had already written a song just the night before called help us without you. He goes, man, I'm just, this whole theme um, in my quiet time this morning was how we're just helpless without him. And I was like, oh my gosh, this has got to go on the record, man. Yeah, beautiful. So I quickly um, recorded it and, you know, it comes out, it, it's, it's not out yet, but it's about to be. I And that was Helpless Without You by Andrew Ripp. And I'm very pleased to say that Andrew is still with us here on The Artist Interview on Hope FM. Andrew, thank you so much. You've really shared from your heart um, some really important stories and some touching stuff. I'm sure that many of our listeners will have related to some of the things that you've shared. If you happen to, it'd be great if you could just pray uh, for God to come and touch people's hearts and bring those moments of change for people at Crossroads and yes. things like that. God, I, I just want to say thank you for Gordon and his heart and his ministry. You know, um, you're all over him. And um, I'm thankful for people that love you like he does and the people that are listening, Lord. There are um, so many souls out there that are helpless without you. We all are. And we know, um, Jesus, that you're the only way. So I just surrender myself personally in this moment and invite everybody listening to do the same. Lord, once again, we just confess that we need you. And um, in the circumstance that we're in, whatever it is, whether it's a mortgage that we don't know how we're going to pay or a, you know, a, a, a health issue or a time issue, we're too late. And I don't know if we're, or have we been forgotten or, whatever it might be, Lord, like you are outside of time. You are a divine healer. You love us and you made us for a reason. So we just surrender our bodies, our life, our mind, our heart, and our soul to you right now. And again, just to ask you, Lord, to step into our, step into our space, step into our, um, our journey, lead us, open doors. Um, help us to recognize when you've closed a door and to respect it. Um, give us courage to step through the ones that you've cracked um, and trust that you're not only with us here, but you're on the other side. Um, I just pray over those people who are on the fence right now with decisions that need to be made. I don't know who, uh, who I'm speaking to right now, but I have an impression that somebody's on the fence wondering which side God's on. And I just want to reassure you that God's on both sides of the fence. So trust your heart. Sometimes God will give us the decision to make. So trust your desire, trust him. He's on both sides. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Andrew. Yes. What a beautiful prayer. I just love you wanted to tune in there to God and, and bring something very specific. So if you are mm -hmm. that listener and you're feeling you're 
maybe on the defense, weren't sure which way to go. Just be reassured that uh, Jesus is on both sides and it's, it's a free will decision for you to make. Andrew, man, you have been absolutely sharing some great stuff. Really appreciate it. Can you tell me the story, though, about the house that you're sitting in at the moment? I understand that you had a bit of a problem where you are in Nashville and it impacted uh, your family directly. What's the story? Yeah, so we had a tornado come through March 3rd of 2019. No, yes. No, 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 it was 2020. 2020, wow. Yeah, so it was literally a week and a half before quarantine here. We were hit with a tornado and it landed directly on our house. Like our entire street was just torn to bits. Luckily, in the middle of, it happened in the middle of the night too. So my wife woke up due to our little baby crying upstairs. Like, you know, lightning, thunder. She might've woke up because of that. But she, my wife looked at her, her Twitter feed and found that there was like tornado risks. So we went up and grabbed her, uh, Francis from her crib and we went down into our basement and, um, you know, for like maybe 10 minutes total waiting for the storm to hit. And I remember I ran upstairs just to grab, I knew there was going to be some high winds. So I grabbed the flag. We have a flag off the front porch. It's like, I'm going to save the flag. So I grabbed it. <laughs> I wrapped it up. That's a priority. So funny. And I walked down back downstairs and we're hanging out like candlelight down there. And next thing you know, our ears start to pop. And things start hitting the house and we could hear like, it kind of sounded like a vacuum. Wow. Like, like this weird sound. It was like a blender going or something. And um, the dog scattered for eight seconds tops. I mean, it happened so quick and um, it, it ended. I walked upstairs and it was just absolute mayhem, like windows blown out, water, inside um telephone pole on the car tree on the house the house across the street was completely destroyed the roof was gone front porch was like not only off the house but couldn't find it anywhere and so yeah we were in in the middle of just this wild um storm and i remember walking out front that night there's a few little stories in this one of them the first thing I heard when I stepped outside onto broken glass on our front porch and just mayhem was all of our neighbors began to yell out each other's names to make sure that everybody was okay. And I remember feeling a lot of just comfort in that because, you know, it's like sometimes it takes a storm to bring you closer, right? Like sometimes it takes something. Like, so just to know that the neighbors cared for each other enough to not only know each other's names, which a lot of places we don't, right? Like neighborhoods. Um, I, I, I didn't know my neighbors until I moved into this neighborhood and then the tornado brought us even closer. Um, but the other story that always sticks out is when we picked up Frances from her crib, we picked her up gently because she was sleeping. And usually when you get a tornado warning, it doesn't actually hit you. you like you just go back to bed in 15 minutes. But um, the thing that I recognized while I was standing on the front porch, hearing names being screamed out after a tornado just hit us, is that Frances never woke up. She slept in her dad's arms. Oh, the whole amazing. Even though your ears were popping, she must have felt the popping ears because kids don't like airplanes when their ears pop. So Probably. That's brilliant. But somehow 
she slept through it. And it just preached to me. I was like, oh, you mean to tell me no matter what's going on, I can just rest in his arms? Like, don't have to worry. It was just so good. So anyway, I'll leave you with that. But that that's my tornado story. And, you know, we're still cleaning up from it. The house I'm in right now is the one that got hit and it became our storage unit. We're still working on trying to figure out how to, you know, get, get all of our plans passed through the city and rebuild. But, um, you know, it's, we're all good. We're in a really good. So, so you're actually living in your actual studio, aren't you? Where, which is somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. We built a, a studio out back, thankfully a year before this happened. So it's got a little bedroom in there and then a loft. So we put a, a bed up on the loft where my wife and I sleep. And then the baby has the bedroom. Oh. So then at night, like we can put her down and actually still hang out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it worked out, man. We're, we're very, very grateful to have, um, to, to have, you know, not only made it through such an intense storm, but to, to have a place to live while we figure out the rest of it. That's cool. That's cool. Okay. So what things have you got coming up uh, in like the next season? What's, what's the plan for you? Yeah. So we're, I'm doing some, I, I just did a bunch of shows with this band called Need to Breathe. I don't know if you know about Need to Breathe. Yeah. Big guys. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we play them here. Yeah. They're awesome. Um, I've got a bunch more kind of random dates throughout the summer and uh, releasing the record Evergreen on May 14th, which is in three weeks, two weeks. And uh, very excited about that. And, uh, you know, going to do a tour in the fall. I don't think I can tell you who it is because I don't think they've released the information yet, but um, I'm excited about that. And honestly, when you get into the release of a record as an artist, it's the busiest time of your life. So I'm excited to come out of the busy season and like take a little bit of time to just, you know, wake up and sit at the bonfire and hang out with friends a little bit. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I see that you've got it's the K-Love music, a fan music awards coming up, isn't it? Which is quite a big thing where you guys are. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that. You asked what was coming up. That's one of the big things. Yeah. I'm excited about that. And, uh, and uh, people can actually vote, can't they, for you? Because you're in, you've got is it two nominations. You've got uh, Song of There's the Year. Three categories I'm being considered for. Three. Oh, fantastic. The nominations don't come in until the first round is over, which is right now what everybody's voting for. So once those tallied, those votes are tallied up, then they're like, okay, best artist of the year are these five people. And it's whoever gets the votes that will become those five people. I will tell you this, like, even though, you know, like the goal for me with music, I had a hard time with, with the, with awards around music because we're all on the same team. Like I don't see me as, especially in the gospel world, like me and we, the kingdom are on the same team. We're doing yeah. like, this is, we're all preaching the gospel to the world. So I want us all to win the award. Yeah. I, and I, I've, <laughs> I've looked at the list for male artists of the year and I'm thinking, man, I know some of these guys stories. I spent time with them. I'm thinking, yeah, is I couldn't choose. I just, I couldn't. Yeah. I, lo I, lo I love your yeah. attitude. You're totally right. We're all on the same team. Um, yeah. But, but it's also, there's a, the, there is an industry and there's the hype around it and it's exciting, right. but also painful for people as well because people then get into the comparison crushing thing and all the rest of it. So you're right. That's you are right. all on the same team. We are all on the same team. And, and, you know, um, 
I think the, the win for me will be celebrating regardless, you know, just celebrating. Uh, I, that's my plan. Love it. That is, that is a, a great plan. But if people do want to, uh, to vote for you, uh, obviously they can look on your social because you've got the information there. Uh, how, do people, how do people connect with you? Yeah, so I think my, I spend the most time on Instagram. Um, I interact in that regard personally. I think a lot of um, artists, you know, they'll choose just one platform. And for me, it's that. Um, but you know, I'm on, I'm on the other ones too, Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. Um, but yeah, if you ever wanted to send me a note, I am pretty good at responding on, on Instagram and would love to hear your story. Brilliant. So, uh, is that just simply Andrew Rip? Yep. That Andrew Rip. That is easy peasy. Great. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So it sounds like you've got a, a busy year ahead of you. Uh, we still got one more track uh, to play from you. Um, so this, yeah. this track's called Roses. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so Roses is a, it's an analogy song. I was sitting one day thinking about how love is represented to us by a rose, right? Like, it's this beautiful flower, but it's got thorns on it. And it's, um, it just hit me like, wow, what if I used that as an analogy for God's love for us? You know, like, maybe um, I'll just read you, let me just read you the chorus lyric because... Okay, so he must have known about the heartbreak long before us, must have known about the mistakes, and still he chose us, planted the tree where he would die, put thorns down the vine, and then he wore them. Maybe that's why God made roses. Wow. <laughs> hey. Right? That's, that's a lyric and a half, my friend. So He just, like, isn't that beautiful? Like, I never really thought about that until that moment. I was like, oh, wow, like we actually use a rose as a symbol of love, but like there's thorns on this thing and it's blood red. Mm. Like this is this is a picture of the cross. Yeah, yeah. So cool. It really is. Anyway, I hope you guys like it. I, I'm sure we're going to love it. So Andrew, so thank you very much indeed for joining us today on the Artist Interview on Hope FM. And this is your brand new track, Roses. And thank you so much to Andrew Ripp for joining us today on Hope FM for the artist interview. And you can listen again to that interview and many other artists at hopefm.com forward slash the artist interview. Thanks so much for joining us. God bless. Talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM artist interview.